Luke 18, starting at verse 9 through verse 14, is Jesus telling a parable. So he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Jesus said, two men went up into the temple to pray, one Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's one of those scriptures that you could read and say, okay, good, let's move on to the next thing. It's pretty well spoken for itself, and there's all that you need to know. And uh, yet we can look at this passage and dissect it a little bit and perhaps find meaning for our own personal lives. Um, And, you know, in Jasper, there's about six or eight different ways you can get from one place to another. And so sometimes my commute from home to church takes me past the county jail. And I want you to imagine this story that Jesus just told as, as though anybody that goes to church at Shiloh might find themselves standing in front of I don't know, maybe you're getting ready to go in the movie theater. And you get out of your car and you glance over at the jail and you say to yourself under your breath, maybe to the Lord in the form of a prayer, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those people. Could you see that happening? Could you imagine yourself just being grateful that nothing you've done in your life is as as awful as the kind of things that landed people in the jail across the street. Now this story is a little bit more down to earth. Now all of a sudden you can see what's going on here. Now we're told by Luke that Jesus told this story because there were people within his hearing who took a lot of pride in their self-righteousness and who were naturally contemptuous of others because of that. I don't know, sounds a little passive-aggressive, Jesus. Ah, anyway, he, uh, that was a joke. It wasn't a very good one, but it was a joke. So, Jesus is just making the moment count by describing exactly how some of those people felt. Now, to understand, first of all, I've always been very sympathetic towards the Pharisees, and I don't know why, but every now and again in a Bible study, I will be talking about how I have a certain level of sympathy for the Pharisees, and I'll encounter somebody in the group who says, 
Oh, I can't believe you say that. I don't believe you feel that way about the Pharisees. Those guys were terrible. Jesus was always putting them down. They must have been terrible. Well, way to categorize an entire body of people without really thinking about each of them as human beings. Now, I don't know if you are one of those who really enjoys the Chosen miniseries, or, or I should say uh, streaming series, but it is very popular because it's very good. And, you know, there's this one character named Shmuel who is a Pharisee who's really got it in for Jesus and his followers. And the truth is, is that some of the people who heard Jesus talk about this were Pharisees who really were decent folks. They were guys who loved the Lord so much that they were trying to honor the law of Moses with a level of commitment that was virtually impossible for the average person. But these people had really set themselves out to be this highly orthodox, highly devoted kind of people. And so what they did was they followed the law like I follow a recipe. Now, I'm really not a good cook, but I can follow a recipe so I can fool you. If you come to my house and you eat something I cook that tastes really good, it's because I'm very good at following instructions. I'm a man who reads instructions. I know that we're uncommon, but I do read instructions and follow them. And so I can cook something for you, providing the recipe is good. And you will like what you get, and it will taste exactly the same every time because I follow the directions precisely. I measure things out. Some of you ladies especially are going. <clears throat> now, you, you wonder where I'm going with this. Just think about it for a minute. What if your religious system is something that you follow that way? I do everything exactly as prescribed in the instructions. Because if I do, that makes me righteous. If I cook a recipe for you, it doesn't poison you and you even like it because you can guarantee that Dan followed the instructions. My wife, on the other hand, who's a fabulous cook, just take a look at my waistline, that's all you need to know. She's creative. She uses recipes as a guide. She doesn't use recipes. She doesn't measure precisely unless there's a good reason. And she makes amazing food. And you talk about chili. Part of the reason she's having doubts about whether she should participate in the chili cook-off is because she never makes it the same way twice. Some of you can relate. If I put a recipe in there and it wins, people are going to say, "Give me, or, you know, I make chili that you really like, and you say, give me the recipe, you're going to go, well, I can't. <laughs> right? And yet Jesus is advocating, in other parts of Scripture, Jesus says, you know, the problem with you guys is you understand every letter of the law, and you follow it precisely, but you don't understand the heart of the law. See, a fabulous cook who doesn't need to follow recipes precisely to feel as though they've been successful is someone who can say, you know, I got a person in my life who really needs a lower salt recipe. And so they just naturally find a way to adapt it, create as much flavor as they can without a great deal of salt, and they still make something wonderful, and there's love in it. 
You know, cooking shows are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. You can watch a cooking show. You can watch a baking show. You can watch all these food competitions and everything on TV. I know because I watch some of them with my family. And what people will say often is, is that the best things that you fix in the kitchen are, are prepared in love, right? That there's a certain sort of, of nurture that goes into the preparing of the meal, and I really believe that's what Jesus is trying to get across to the, to the Pharisees and to the disciples. Because he's trying to say, look, it's not that you're following the law precisely is bad in and of itself. It's that you kind of feel like if you do that better than everybody else, that, that makes you better than everybody else. And that really defeats the whole purpose of the law. See, the law of God before Jesus and the law after Jesus is still ultimately about recognizing the fact that we are not good enough in the deepest sense of the word to walk in the presence of God, to be with God in God's family. You can't sit in God's kitchen at the Lord's table as long as you are essentially unrighteous. And what God wants us to understand is, is that before Jesus, the law was our way of drawing nearer to the Lord and to have the kind of relationship with God that he intended from the beginning. It's all part of God's plan of restoring the fallen creation and what's the restoration to? It's not restoring it to some idyllic uh, humanistic view of creation. He wants to restore Eden. He wants the promised land that Joshua leads the people into to be a sort of civilization of Eden. And it's not that God is trying and failing. He's working a plan a plan that seems to us to be a very long time, but in God's way of looking at things, it's, time is irrelevant because God is outside of space and time. And so what the Pharisees have done is they've taken the law and they've perfected it so that they can at least appear to be righteous in the eyes of other Pharisees. And here's where this thing really hits home. Go back to the, to the parking lot at the movie theater across from the jail and imagine that you and some of your church friends are all there together to go see a movie. And let's just suppose that there are certain parts of that movie that you'd be embarrassed for some of your church friends to know you were going to watch. Because honestly, you can't go to the movie theater and not see things that you're embarrassed to watch. Now imagine you standing there in a huddle around your cars getting ready to go into the movie theater or maybe right after you watch this movie and looking across the parking lot, across the lane at the jail and going, well, at least we're not as awful as those people. Who cares? Who cares if you're not as awful as those people? Well, you and your friends who all agree that you're not as awful as those people. You see what I'm saying? See, this is what Jesus is really driving at. This is the point he's trying to make is that, that religious people have this natural tendency towards sanctimony. Now, sanctimony is a word that just basically means that you're really proud of how high and mighty you are in the eyes of God or 
to be more realistic in the eyes of other sanctimonious people. And that's the point. You can impress other religious people. You can impress people like you. But you can't impress God unless, as Jesus says so simply, you stand there like the tax collector beating your chest outside the temple, unwilling to raise your eyes toward God and saying, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner, and I know it. Now, if there's a flaw in this story, and God forbid that I would choose to, to you know, edit and improve Jesus' story, but if I see a flaw in this story, it's only that, that it makes the extreme comparison between a very self-righteous, holy man and one of the most reviled people in the society at the time. But if we'll get past the imagery there and just realize that one person is convinced that because their friends approve of them, that God surely must approve of them. And the other is convinced that there is nothing he can bring to God to make him even worthy to raise his eyes and to look into God's eye, to look at God and plead for mercy. You know why Jews wear head coverings? You know, it's really simple. Uh, Jewish people wear something on their head because they don't want to be so presumptuous as to assume that there is nothing separating them from God. So the idea is that a little thin layer of something on your head creates an appropriate barrier between you and God. It, it's just a way of reminding yourself to be humble. And it's probably not a bad idea. So when it gets right down to it, this story seems to be about the self-righteous, sanctimonious, religious people who think they're better than everybody else because their friends agree with them. But it's really a story about how the only way to go away justified from an encounter with God is humility. Come to the Lord's table today. Come with humility. Come receiving the body and blood of Christ with the spirit of humility that says, I don't deserve this. I'm not entitled to this. But I'm sure grateful that it's given to me anyway. Then you begin to understand the heart of the gospel. Then you begin to understand that the gospel is meaningless when you proclaim it. It's meaningless when you embrace it. It's meaningless if on your deathbed you're counting on it to get you into heaven unless you are a humble, contrite person like this tax collector. I, I, I couldn't come up with the word I liked, but the whole idea is, is that you don't, have to be self-deprecating. You don't have to put yourself down. You don't have to be down on yourself all the time. You just need to have yourself in the right perspective. And it doesn't matter what the people around you think of you, good, bad, or otherwise. It only matters what the Lord thinks of you. And the only way to be sure that the Lord thinks highly of you is if you think less of yourself than you do the Lord. Sin, in its very essence, 
as it was introduced into our human condition in Eden, was a condition where people had the audacity to think that their self-interests superseded God's interests. That's it. That's what happened when even Adam ate from a tree that God told them not to eat from. They decided that what they thought was best was better than what God thought was best. That's it. So how do you counter sin in your life? Always seek God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And righteousness, as Jesus has described it here, is pretty simple. Righteousness comes with a humble admission that you are a sinner who does not deserve God's grace, but because God's grace is grace, you get it. And so you give thanks and praise to God for mercy you don't deserve, for love you're not entitled to, and deliverance from sin and death that you didn't earn. Once you put yourself in the right perspective, you go away justified. And let us pray that our worship today is like that for all of us, that every one of us goes away from the Lord's table today, having once again been justified, not through anything we did, said, thought, or whatever, but simply by the fact that God's grace was sufficient to save us, and the table that we go to is a representation of that grace through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for making us righteous because we humble ourselves and trust through Christ that we've been made clean. Make us all a little less self-important and a little more humble. Help us to be kind and loving and uh, let us throw out bitterness and resentment, having recognized that by humility, we are saved, and by humility, we have the best chance of introducing others to your salvation. May we be not only doers of your word, but spreaders of your word. Let the COVID pandemic be gone from our lives, but Lord, make us as contagious as ever, if not worse, as contagious Christians. We pray amen, because we really mean it. Thank you.